The views and opinions expressed on the following program are not necessarily those of this station or its sponsors. Great conversation continues now on the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe. Howard Monroe, brought to you by WVU Medicine. But you got to have friends. The feelings are so strong. You got to have friends to make that day last long. I had some friends, but they're gone. Something came and took them away, and from the dust till the dawn. Here is where I'll stay. Well, you gotta have friends. And I have, I think maybe three. I, I'm, it's not, it's, it's, the, the list is not particularly, <laughs> particularly long. Slider gets on. My friend Mike Welling. McCabe, I guess. You and John pretty tight. Well, I'm pretty well done. <laughs> That's the friends list. You know, at our church, our pastor is always every Sunday saying, you know, and it's important that you bring a friend to church. And I keep telling her, I have no friends. I, can't, I have no one to bring because I have no friends. You're a much more gregarious guy than I am, Bob. You, you have, a, you have a, if not a lot of friends, you have a lot of very nice acquaintances. And I do, and I, and I really appreciate that. But at the same time, I, I just have this longing to be by myself. And my mother-in-law calls it, uh, you know, the uh, only child syndrome. I grew up, my dad was in Vietnam, it was basically my mother and I, and I, I, I guess I just adapted to that, Howard, and I really enjoy being by myself. I uh, Believe me, I am very aware of that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I got a text here, DK Wright says, I'm your friend. Uh, yes, DK, you are my friend. And I she's should. a raccoon lover, so I'm in trouble. <laughs> I should wonder if she's the one who sent all this record. No, she's not. Uh, it's a good point, DK. Yes, you are, my friend. I appreciate that, too. Thank you very much. And that's kind of the point of the theme song here. Look, I have friend friends like Bob and, and Mike and others. And then I have friends that are part of the uh, audience, the people listen and, and uh, we relate to. And many of them have become, you know, radio friends over the years. Well, we've made a lot of radio friends over the years. A lot of them. And uh, sadly, a lot of them are no longer with us. Well, that's because we're old. We are old. <laughs> I had to tell somebody that I, yesterday, I had to tell Seth, I'm 61 years old. Jeez, I got sick of my stomach. Did you notice they were kind of laughing at you? Yeah. It's like, hey, Pop, we know that. Who you, 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 you kidding? We yeah, knew you were that They're old. talking about, what, the Hall of Fame or what was it, the OVAC Hall of Fame? We were, and it was a really great show. It was a good show. I listened to it, yeah. You know, Seth does a great show every Monday from 12 to 3, and him and his group were getting together, and we're talking about the the great of the great OVAC athletes and uh, who are in the in the Hall of Fame and stuff and and it was a little bit before my time Howard but I can remember being you know what nine ten years old and Jennings Martin talking about it every evening or or opening up the paper and a guy that I couldn't even pronounce his name was uh, dropping 30, 40 points every night. His name was Alan Horniak. And uh, I asked him about it, and I guess uh, Mr. Horniak was one of the very first put in the OVAC uh, Hall of Fame and uh, deservedly show went on, uh, so went on to a great uh, career at Ohio State. He's Bel Air, right? Bel Air guy. Yeah. Alan Horniak, absolutely. I, I just I listen, and I, you, boys, I'm 61 years old. And I, I, uh, and I used to, Jennings Martin once said, and I'm sure, first of all, they're looking at Who? Jennings Martin. Who the heck is Jennings Martin? And Howard, did you notice I did not say Jennings Randolph? So I got, I got that part out there really, really good. <laughs> and they just, they didn't make fun of you. Don't get me wrong. But you could almost sense the humor in their voice. You said, and there's this, uh, what about this guy? I've heard about Alan Horniak. And I was like. Yeah, yeah, he was one of the really first ones introduced a long time ago. And Seth kind of hurt my feelings a little bit because he gave me that wave that you gave me every once in a while. Howard, like, you know, just uh, worth <laughs> men's talking here. Men are talking. Be quiet. <laughs> had to get your licks. Hey, listen, uh, believe me, you're 61, I'm 70. There are times when I throw things in, into a conversation with younger people, and I get to look. I know it's like, Okay, old man is trying to speak. Let him have his say. And if they're nice and kind, they say, oh, it's okay. Just let him have his say, and uh, we'll move on. Uh, text line, a few more things on the text line this morning. Text has been very busy. I appreciate that. 304-214-1600 is the Frio Stack Auction Service text line. 
Um, we've been talking. We're talking about rabies because of the raccoons, and this person who said rabies never hurt anyone, then said, "I had my rabies shot, but I never took a COVID shot." So I, I don't understand even what's going on there. And that's the same guy who told me the Democrats don't have enough sense to make decisions. But your decision was to not get a COVID shot, which was a pretty dumb thing. And actually, they've been doing some research and showing that those who stayed away from the COVID vaccines uh, died a lot more frequently than everybody else. Uh, let's see. Howard, I'm still getting you on TuneIn. Well, that's good. You should be because as far as I know, TuneIn Radio is working. You can listen to us online at watchdognetwork.com. Click on WKKX or WVOY. Um, or you can use TuneIn Radio. And again, you can listen on TuneIn Radio to WKKX or WVOY. Uh, and using TuneIn, through TuneIn, you can have WKKX, WVOY on your um, home speakers using Alexa. Just say, Alexa, listen to WKKX on TuneIn or listen to WVOY on TuneIn. So very good. But Texter says, I am still getting you on TuneIn. Uh, let me see what else I've got here uh, off the text line. Uh, this is from, uh, you'll never guess who this one's from, Bob. Morning, Abe. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Monroe, breaking news. Wheeling City leaders have solved the downtown drug, alcohol, and homeless challenge. The mayor and Ward 3 councilmen have offered their home address as a safe haven to all downtown criminal activities. Defecating, urinating, smoking crack, and physical, defi- physical altercations are now encouraged and permitted at these new locations. With creative solutions like this, it's a shame the mayor can't serve additional terms. Change the city charter. Keep Mayor Elliott forever. Ha, 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 ha. Abe, or as I like to call him, the one-note wonder. One-note wonder. Everything the same every day. The legislature is in session. They had interim meetings scheduled already this week, and then the governor fairly quickly threw up some items for a special session. If my math is right, 44 items uh, tossed out within a matter of an hour or two. And by the end of the first day, they all had, had through, gone through first reading, and uh, many of them already passed. I'm going to talk to Mike Pushkin, who is a delegate and also the uh, state Democratic Party chair, about that session coming up next here on the Watchdog Morning Show. Every Friday on TalkLine, it's Steam Release, your weekly opportunity to vent. You can also release steam about the host. 95% of our political news today is driven by political views. I don't care if it's ABC, NBC, Fox, CBS, all of them. You all are the ones that's going to destroy this republic, not anyone else. You, Hoppy, you. Steam release every Friday on TalkLine right here on this Metro News radio station. We'll talk to you then. Hello, it's John Kozik, founder and president of TurboTrack Realty, and I buy houses as is, fast for cash. Call me today for an all-cash offer on any of your properties, and we can close within days at 614-470-2000, Do you own a property that's outdated and needs thousands of dollars in repairs? Great, I'll buy it. Give us a call today for an all-cash offer at 614-470-2000, 470-2000. Would it be convenient for you if you could simply take what you wanted and leave the rest behind? Great, I'll buy it. I buy vacant properties, inherited homes, divorce situations, death in the family, apartment buildings, rental portfolios. I even buy my tenant won't pay me the rent houses. Call TurboTrack Realty today for an all-cash offer and speak with one of our friendly staff members at 614-470-2000. 614-470-2000. Need a new suit looking for a good book searching for a unique gift the ohio valley's premier shopping choice is the highlands find jewelry hot new tech arts and crafts over two dozen stores to visit from walmart and target to cabela's menards kohl's and old navy plan a day out of shopping dining and entertainment at the highlands at the top of the hill off i-70 see it all online at hitthehighlands.com We are back. Check out your favorite talk radio station on our new Facebook page at Watchdog WV. Click our like button to follow what's happening on the Watchdog FM 98.1 and 97.7 AM 1600 and 1370. 
It's summertime. It's summertime. And the living is easy. But the conversation is always topical and lively. This is the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe. Brought to you by WVU Medicine. I've been walking these streets so long. Singing the same old song. I know every crack in these dirty sidewalks of Broadway. 62 degrees, Wheeling, Ohio County Airport, 61 at the Highlands, 60 at my home studios in Elm Grove, where I am not, and 61 degrees here at the Robinson Auto Group Studios downtown Wheeling in the heart of the Ohio Valley. Um, it's going to be a uh, cloudy day, around 80 or so for the high today, much better day tomorrow, rain coming in on Thursday. I joked earlier, but it's the case, I got an, an alert on my phone that my house said that my house address, uh, power is out. But my wife says, no, she's home ironing clothes. She's Power is not out. But I do have the uh, Appalachian Power outage map. And, uh, Bob, it's not doesn't look like it does affect you. They didn't pick on you this time. It looks like um, a bunch of streets in Elm Terrace are without power, Fernwood, Gaywood. That includes my neighborhood, includes my house. But, as I said, somehow we seem to have the magic touch. We don't lose power when everybody else does. But there is a power outage. Uh, in that area. 159 people without power. That's come to me from the folks at Appalachian Power. Uh, it is uh, 819 here on the Watchdog Morning Show. Mike Pushkin is with us, delegate uh, from Kanawha County and also state party chair and Democratic Party chair in West Virginia. Mike, uh, good morning. Welcome to the show. I, um, I want to talk about the process that we got to, that we went through to get these bills introduced and to vote it on. But uh, just a quick check with you. Are any of these bills good bills that you're looking at now? Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think most of them are bills that we, uh, for the most part, bills that we can agree on. The problem uh, is, is really the process. And you got to remember, we are here in a special session. Uh, for a lot of these bills are bills that we had seen before, and they're cleanup bills because the, during the regular session, uh, mainly in the Senate, they push through bills without sending them to committees. And they uh, suspend the constitutional rules that uh, requires bills to be read, require bills to be read three times, and they just push the bills through, and then you get some uh, some pretty uh, poor work that comes out of there. And so, uh, what they're doing is they're doubling down on a, on a bad <laughs> bad decision, and and rushing them through yet again. I, I hope we don't find ourselves uh, back in another special session to clean up after the cleanup because they're just uh, they're doing it the same way uh, very uh, uh, little input uh, not, not just very little input from delegates and senators but very no input from the public the governor called the special officially called the special session like around 3:30 I think on Sunday bills were the session was opened at four o'clock and the bills were already prepared so you got a got a pack of bills, I think 44, I could be wrong, correct me if I'm wrong. You got 44 bills kind of dumped in your lap right away. Read them because uh, we're going to move on them very quickly. Yeah, I mean, we've been hearing for a while uh, the possibility of a special session um, to, uh, you know, first to shift some money around, uh, you know, where the governor claims we have this huge surplus in order to uh, fund some basic needs. Uh, and then also we had heard uh, that there was going to be uh, – a fix to this uh, this car tax problem, where they're penalized people for doing what they're supposed to do and paying their their personal property taxes on time, um, and uh, of course also the uh, you know a year ago I think we're coming up on the year anniversary of the governor declaring a state of emergency in our prisons and then calling in the national guard um, to to staff our, our prisons, uh, so. Uh, you know, the declaration was over about a year ago. We're just now getting around to actually doing something about it. We can talk about the specifics of that. But uh, yeah, it was on Sunday afternoon at 3.30 is when we actually got the official call. And it's when we got – and there were a lot more bills than what we've been talking about. And you know, some of the bills that we had seen before, but some, some new bills and some new ideas that uh, we had not seen and did not foresee being on the call. And, of course, you know, the governor – over the weekend was you know, hosting uh, this uh, Saudi golf tournament at the Greenbrier, which is a whole other issue. Yeah. It's this guy that wants to uh, 
be a U.S. senator and help uh, develop uh, U.S. foreign policy. Meanwhile, he's openly doing business uh, with uh, with the Saudi government. Uh, to talk about that, but uh, you know, we get the bills a half hour before we're supposed to go meet. So there's there's no way to properly vet all these bills. And while sure some of them are things that we've seen before, not all of them were. There's pretty substantive bills in that pile, and they're not getting the uh, the the proper deliberation and vetting that these bills should get. And unfortunately, I think we'll find ourselves back here again fixing the. Some of the mistakes that are being made. Let's follow through on that, though, for a minute. So what's the big deal that the bills aren't getting fully vetted now? Uh, Craig Blair and uh, Roger Hanshaw have both said, yeah, but we've, we, they have vetted these bills with stakeholders, and they've talked about them, planned, prepared them ahead of time. So uh, we're not going to have any t- witness testimony. We're not going to really have any committee activity here. We're just going to go ahead and pass them. But but we've thought about them beforehand. In fact, uh, I posted something this weekend about the speed with which all of this is happening and how it doesn't give people a chance to look over the bills. And Amy Summers responded to my, uh, my tweet saying, uh, because the governor and the majority are all on the same page, so we don't need to put them ahead of time, as if somehow they can just march, march their way through. Well, I mean, with all due respect to the, the, the health chair, Summers, who I like and enjoy working with her, but she's just dead wrong on this. That's not the way a democracy is supposed to work. And what's, who's being cut out of the process, uh, not just the, you know, the Democrats who don't see the bills, or a lot of Republicans I've heard complaints from that, that they haven't seen the bills yet, but more importantly, the public. Now, there's one bill that we had not seen before, we did not know was coming, uh, and it, it, it seems pretty simple on the surface to create a, a, a state park with a public-private uh, partnership down near Summersville Lake. Well, since that bill has gone through, I've been receiving calls from people who live in Nicholas County who had no idea this was coming, and they didn't get any input on what's going on down there in their backyard. Um, now, I'd like to learn more about it, but we didn't have a chance to. And so when they're talking about the stakeholders, are, are the stakeholders the the private end of that private-public partnership that, that's going to be running the resort down there? Because I believe those were the only folks that were in on this conversation. Yeah, that, you know, uh, some, the, Summersville. The neighbors of, I, yeah. I've been to Summersville Lake a number of times. It's a beautiful place, great place to go, spin, boat, fish, uh, you know, um, uh, swim, whatever. Um, one of the questions that I was just my eyebrows raised there is a public private partnership. Is that going to lead to any kind of fees being charged to go to the lake? Um, well, that, no. that wasn't discussed, uh, that it was pushed through. That bill was pushed through very quickly. It wasn't something new we knew was coming. It wasn't something the people who lived down there knew was coming. It might very well be a great thing for the area. I sincerely hope it, it is, but it raises several concerns. Well, who, who is the, Who's the private end of this uh, public-private partnership, exactly. and, and, and have, have they possibly contributed any money to Jim Justice's Senate campaign? I don't know. I would like to know. Uh, what bills that are working their way through do you think at least are of value right now? What about the corrections bill, for example? Well, that's something we've, we've been needing to address for a long time. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure that this is really going to fix the problem. I'm glad we're addressing it. But uh, it does. Uh, there's an attempt to change this, uh, the pay schedule, the pay scale for correctional uniform correctional officers. Um, so it's it's not just based on like a one-time bonus, but they you know through seniority they will get pay rate, automatic pay raises. Uh, if they move up in rank, they will get a pay. We're kind of based like that how they do it. In, in the military, you know, under current um, the, the current setup, uh, correctional officers just don't get pay raises unless the legislature comes in and gives gives them a pay raise. This would be automatic pay raises like you get, uh, you know, in the military or often in the private sector based on how long you've been there, your, your experience on the job. Um, so I think that that's very important. The problem with it is what they, they left out uh, the non-uniform support staff. And, and oftentimes, these folks are having to step up and act like correctional officers. Um, so I believe there is a, a move to give them a, a bonus until we can actually address that issue and give them the pay rates they deserve. Uh, and I know that the Democrats are going to be making an amendment to, to increase that bonus because these are tough jobs. You know, whether you're working in the, in the prison as a, as a counselor 
or, or even as a uh, as a cook or how, or or uh, as you know support staff or even a uniform correctional officer. We if you look at, even with the raise, they're getting paid poverty wages for an incredibly difficult job, and that's why we have so many uh, alarming vacancy rates in our prisons. And it's an unsafe situation for the people that work there. It's an unsafe situation for the people who are sentenced there. And it's an unsafe situation for the state. And it's been a state of emergency for going on a year now. And and we get this bill, you know, 30 minutes before, just like the rest of them, 30 minutes before we're supposed to deliberate on it, uh, while the governor is down there playing golf with the the Saudis. Are you going to vote for or have you voted for the corrections bill? Uh, I believe it was going to have unanimous. Most likely, it will have unanimous support. My fear is it doesn't go far enough, mm-hmm. and it's really not. It's just a you know, it's a bandaid on a bullet wound. But it's it's something we're going to support. But I wish we could go further and really uh, had time to to address the issue. But there were too few people in on the conversations, and just like how how this government this government's been operating under the you know the Jim Justice's administration with this super duper majority is the public is often left out uh, the people who who are affected by these laws are left out we did we're not hearing from the people who are working in the jails and prisons uh, they they meet behind closed doors they come up with what they, what they think is a solution but oftentimes they get it wrong and we'll find ourselves back here again trying to fix it the governor had um, suggested reducing the amount of surplus going into the rainy day fund, although I think the finance committee, again, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm trying to keep track of all this stuff from afar, I think the finance committee did not accept that. No, I don't believe that bill is moving at, at the time. And I do not serve on the finance committee. They uh, give them credit. They were in there. Uh, all The House Finance Committee was in there all day yesterday. Um, I'm not sure of some of the end results of some of the votes they've had in there as of yet. Of course, we'll be going in there to, to you know, advance these bills. To they, These bills were advanced to third reading yesterday. We're going to be going in there to vote here at 9 o'clock. Is there, uh, is there anything missing? Are there things that you, you, you mentioned you think the corrections bill could have gone further or there could be other things to be done? Um, I know when you and I talked most recently, you and fellow Democrats had proposed several issues you felt needed to be take up, taken up at the special session. Are the issues at least being addressed, uh, even if they're not being addressed the way you want them to? No, there's several issues that are just being ignored. First, our crisis in higher education. Mm-hmm. Um, while there is a, a bill that would uh, uh, fund uh, Marshall University for a project that has a lot of merit and a project that I support as far as uh, cybersecurity center uh which will be you know state of the art in in working with the department of defense it's going to be that'll be great i think it's going to have wide support but uh, yeah there are other uh universities and colleges in this state that are suffering that are in crisis we have uh, students who are not sure they're going to be able to finish their course of study here in west virginia i think that's an issue that needs to be front and center and needed to to be addressed uh during the special session and and most importantly uh, uh, a vulnerable population that we've completely ignored and just tried to sweep under the rug in this state are the nearly 8,000 children in foster care. Yeah. Um, and we're, we've had reports now that many of them are being left to fend for themselves at hotels and motels, state campgrounds around the state with very little adult supervision. And that is a, uh, a, a crisis of epic proportions and a crisis that's going to affect this state into the future. You know, these, these, these children are going to grow up one day, and uh, uh, and we're, we're not dealing with the problem now, and it, it sh- we should be addressing it. In fact, there's supposed to be an interim meeting today where we get an update uh, from CPS and from the DHHR on this issue. But likely, it's likely to be canceled because it's scheduled the same time we're going to be uh, on the during you know in a floor session. Yeah, the uh, general, the audience might keep in mind that two things are happening right now. One is the special session with these bills the governor introduced. At the same time, there is already a previously scheduled interim meetings going on, trying to delve yeah. into certain other other yeah. issues as well. Real quick before I let you go, you clearly are bothered by the Saudi golf tournament. Yeah, I think everybody should be a bit bothered by that. Um, we're, we're, we have a governor who refused to put his uh, assets in a blind trust. So he is still 
connected with, with his businesses, which also includes the Greenbrier, and they are doing business with the Saudi government. And this is a man who wants to uh, you know, make foreign policy decisions in, in the United States Senate, and he is profiting off of uh, doing business with a government that doesn't have the same type of uh, ideals, beliefs, and goals that the United States does. This is a very undemocratic government. Uh, when too long ago that uh, they most likely you know chopped up an American journalist, yes, writing things that they disagreed with, and this is who he chooses to uh, you know to, to uh, play golf with. Two issues. One is simply the fact that the golf tournament is even held there. Um, when this first came up a year or so ago, I think there was a lot of negative feedback from the public and it kind of faded away but now now the tournament is scheduled uh, so the simple fact that it's there is is a bit of a bother also the fact that the governor seems to be paying more attention to that than he is to the special session well that's that's par for the course pardon me uh, <laughs> pardon the pun <laughs> of course yeah. i mean this is the, the way the governor's done business uh is his entire tenure as governor we we don't see him at the capitol he uh, he doesn't work with the legislature. You know, I, I was walking on Sunday uh, evening, walking out of the chamber, and I was talking to a, uh, a member of the legislature who's been there for a very long time, and a, a Republican, a solid Republican member. And he was very upset with the way that this governor uh, just drops, you know, 44 bills on us at the last minute. And he it, and yet there were times when the Democrats had a supermajority and the governor and the, you know, the governor's office as well. But they didn't do this. Uh, he was telling me that back when, when Caperton was governor, he gave 20-day notice that the legislature would have 20 days to go over the bills and 20 days to, to adjust their plans so they could be in town for a special session, uh, not 30 minutes. I mean, when you give the call 30 minutes, and then, yeah, sure, we had some meetings on Sunday night, but not everybody was there. And uh, if you're, you know, if, if, if you're in Wheeling and you get a call You'll be supposed to be at the Capitol in 30 minutes. Well, that's just impossible, much less if you're over in Jefferson or Berkeley County. It, it, the governor is just he's, – he's inconsiderate, and, uh, and mostly he's inconsiderate of the public, you know, the people who put him in office, because not giving them a chance to uh, learn about and, and give input on the decisions that are being made that affect their lives. Mike, I appreciate your time this morning. I know you've got uh, – you're going into session, I think, what, at 9 o'clock? Is that right? Yep, we're gaveling at 9. All right. Well, listen, uh, appreciate you taking time with us. I might talk to you later in the week as things uh, wrap up, get a better picture of things. But I uh, always good talking to you today. Thanks very much. Hey, thanks. Look forward to talking to you again. Thanks. All right. Mike Pushkin, Western Delegate from Kanawha County, also the uh, chair of the State Democratic Party, talking about the special session underway in Charleston right now. It's 835, 25 till the hour here on the Watchdog Morning Show. We'll talk with the former governor of Ohio, Ted Strickland, about issue one. Today is technically election day, and we'll discuss that coming up next. Good Tuesday morning, everyone. I'm Taylor Long with your 7 News headlines on this August the 8th. A body discovered could be that of a West Virginia man that had been reported missing. The Lewisburg Police Department believes the body is that of 39-year-old Jared David Schultz of Bourbonsville, West Virginia. Police say the body was located Monday in a wooded area near Interstate 64 and Route 219 in Lewisburg. There is no foul play suspected in this incident at this time. A little bit closer to home in Belmont County, Judge John Vavra issued a bond of $100,000 in the cases of 22-year-old Sherman Leisure and 47-year-old Richard West III. Officials say the two are co-defendants charged with felonious assault and kidnapping in the Belmont County Court of Common Pleas. At this time, the defendants will be tried separately. Officials say it's possible that the prosecutor's office will seek to combine the trials to lessen the impact on the victim and witnesses. And Weirton Medical Center is looking into new programs, and the city of Weirton is stepping in to help. At last night's city council meeting following a public hearing on the matter, the use of city funds to financially assist Weirton Medical Center was approved. Mayor Miller says it is typical that the medical center requests assistance, and this city is always more than happy to contribute with grant funding to keep their operations going. Mayor Miller also says that this is something the city should be responsible for, just as they are responsible for other operations in the city, like the police and fire departments. Weirton is the sixth largest city in the Mountain State and has been named one of the safest. And Mayor Miller attributes a portion of that title to the success of Weirton's operations. And 7 News is your local election headquarters. Ohio's special election has finally arrived. 
Polls will open soon in Ohio's contentious single-issue special election. Statewide voter turnout has been well over half a million Ohioans, both in person and absentee. We will have the very latest results as they come in on 7 News and our website, WTRF.com. That was a look at your headlines. Have a wonderful Wednesday, everyone. Trio and Stack Auction Service. We sell the earth and everything on it. From estates to business liquidation, antiques, coins, firearms, real estate, and more. We're also certified appraisers. Trio and Stack can handle it all. Call us now for a free outside consultation. 304-233-3168. Or visit FrioAndStack.com. Licensed in West Virginia, Ohio, and Pennsylvania. Frio and Stack Auction Service. We sell the earth and everything on it. The Highlands is the Ohio Valley's top spot for shopping, dining, and entertainment too. Play a round of simulated golf at the Four Seasons course. Grab a movie with family or friends at the Marquee Cinemas featuring 14 screens of the hottest new movies in all digital and 3D. Plus, special promotions like Flashback Cinema. Or visit the Highlands Sports Complex with turf, courts, climbing wall, and an arcade. Shopping, dining, and entertainment. Just off I-70, the top of the hill, the Highlands. How much could a cyber attack cost your business? The costs stemming from a cyber attack can vary tremendously, but are extremely significant. Recent studies have shown that the average cost of a data breach to small business can range from $120,000 to $1.2 million. In addition to financial loss, companies also suffer downtime, lost opportunities, and data recovery expenses that can all quickly add up. Could your organization survive a cyber incident? If you are unsure if you are doing enough to protect your data, reputation, and dollars from cyber criminals, contact the team at Omni Strategic Technologies today. Omni has the right tools and support to help keep your business protected. Call 304-242-7600 and schedule your free consultation today or visit omniperforms.com. Omni Strategic Technologies, the only cybersecurity and advisory firm that the watchdog trusts. Coming up on Metro News Hotline. On the Tuesday edition of the show, we'll keep you updated on the pennant races, conference realignment, and other football topics. Dave Bryan from Steeler Depot will join us at 4 o'clock, plus your calls, texts, tweets, in or out, and our question of the day. Metro News Hotline with Dave Weekly. Weekday afternoons from 3 to 6 at WVMetroNews.com and on this Metro News station. He has his say. You can have yours. Text us or call us and join the conversation. This is the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe. Brought to you by WVU Medicine. bumper music today yeah, no no big theme just nice good bumper music is that right i try to uh well you know things that maybe howard would start and, singing with yeah, i think well i sing with that walk right in sit right down daddy let your mind roll on 8 41 19 to the hour here on the watchdog morning show 64 degrees wheeling ohio county airport 63 at the highlands 65 at my home studios in elm grove but i'm not there today and 65 degrees here at the Robinson Auto Group Studios, downtown Wheeling, in the heart of the Ohio Valley. A nice, calm day today. Uh, start the morning with a little bit of clouds, but after that, it'll be a sunny day, up to around 80 for our high today. Tomorrow, pretty much the same, even more sunshine into the low 80s. Wet and stormy, though, come Thursday. It's been a stormy period of time leading up to today in Ohio. Ohio is having a special election today. I suspect that most of you know it. And I suspect that many of you aren't totally sure exactly what you're going to do about it. Uh, this is issue number one. It is the only thing on the ballot, and it is designed to change the threshold 
for passing future constitutional amendments. I wanted to talk today with uh, former Governor Ted Strickland about that, and I appreciate him taking time out of his uh, busy schedule to be with us. Uh, Governor, good morning. Welcome to the show. Well, good morning, Howard, and good morning to all of your listeners. It's uh, it's a pleasure talking to you this morning. You every once in a while, you you kind of your head pops up, and you've got an issue that you want to talk about, and this is one thing you've been. <laughs> You've been concerned about, and that's uh, and that's this issue one. We've been trying to explain on the show why it is so important. Uh, it, it's really simple, Governor, and yet some people see it as a complicated issue. Why is it so important? Well, I think it may be the most important election we've had in Ohio in several decades, as a matter of fact. And I think it's important because it is is it is an attempt. To change our our state's constitution and to change a provision in that constitution that has existed for over 100 years. And that change, as you said, will, um, will make it nearly impossible in the future for citizens, just ordinary citizens, to collect signatures and go to the ballot um, and and have their voices heard um, with 51, 50 plus 1% of the vote instead of having a 60% of the vote threshold. Now, um, under current law in Ohio, under our current Constitution, if citizens think the legislature, the politicians in Columbus, Ohio, aren't doing the right thing or are acting corruptly or, you know, some such thing, they have the right to collect signatures from 44 Ohio counties and um, get on the ballot and, and change the Constitution with a majority vote. And, and what they're trying to do with this August election, these politicians in Columbus are trying to do, is to sneak one through, mm-hmm. thinking that the people won't be paying attention on the, in August. You know, they'll be on vacation or kids will be out, of, be, be out of school and they'll be doing activities and so on and so forth. So they're spending $20 million to hold this special August election to change the rules so that it will take a 60% margin in order to pass any future uh, constitutional amendments rather than the 50 percent. The 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 definition of democracy really is 50 plus one. That's kind of the way I've always looked at it. Uh, When the majority of the public wants something, a person in office or an issue to be passed, that's democracy when you have a majority of the people. This would flip that around to where if you have to have 60%, then the minority, the 40%, really end up being in control. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, the, the 40% c- could deprive the 60% of um, the, their voice. Uh, and uh, it, it's just, it's undemocratic, it's unnecessary. And it's simply an attempt on the politicians in Columbus. And I used to be a politician in Columbus, as you know. I was going to make that point, Governor. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that crowd up there now, they're they're out of control. They want total, total control. Um, And um, they know if they can get this amendment uh, passed today, that um, they will be removing from the citizens of our state uh, an ability to, um, to to exercise their free will when it comes to what happens in Ohio. And um, that, as I said, I think it's a sneaky attempt. I mean, <laughs> um, this crowd in Columbus just less than a year ago passed a law saying <laughs> August elections were illegal. Yes. Because they cost too much and too few people came out to vote. And that was probably a, a good a good decision, but uh, suddenly they decided, wait a minute, we've got a chance here if we have an August election to slip something through with with, uh, with a very low turnout, 
um, that will um, keep us from having to uh, listen to the people going forward. And so they scheduled this August election in violation of, of, of the law they had just passed uh, less than a year ago. Uh, and it's, it's costly. It's costing $20 million just for this, uh, this election with one thing on the ballot. And, and, and um, they, they, they scheduled it exactly for the reasons that they made this kind of election illegal. They scheduled it here because it, <laughs> it is a low turnout election. It is easier to manipulate those who go to vote in a single issue election like this where there's not a big turnout. Uh, Howard, you you hit the nail on the head. Um, it, it is it, it is for this reason because they expected a few people to turn out. They thought they could get their base out, um, but most people would not be paying attention. But Howard, they have underestimated the people of Ohio. People are awake. They're aware. Their eyes are open, and that's why. We, we've had a very healthy voter turnout thus far with early voting. Yes. It's surpassed all expectations. And so, so I think they've, you know, I think they have um, uh, um, underestimated the voter in Ohio. And, and, and Howard, this is not a, a, a partisan issue. It really isn't. And, and I, I, I can support that statement by just pointing out that four former Ohio governors, myself included, but certainly Bob Taft is a Republican and John Kasich is a Republican. Dick Celeste was a Democrat. I'm a Democrat. So all four of us are saying vote no because this is bad for Ohio. And then there are five former attorney generals of both political parties that are opposing this initiative and urging people to vote no. So, um, I think I think that's an indication that, that this isn't a Republican versus Democrat issue. It's a, it's a, a right versus wrong kind of issue, and, and the right thing is to is to keep these um, these manipulating politicians in Columbus from trying to pull one over on the voters of Ohio. I saw a, uh, a social media meme. Those you know sometimes they're funny, sometimes they're not. Uh, it was a it was a box score, and it said uh, Michigan twenty, Ohio State twenty seven, Michigan wins. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean that that's that's the kind of thing we're talking about here. The score that's doesn't count. The pers- yeah, exactly. So think about it. Think about it in those perspectives, and you really get an idea of what's being talked about here. Well, and and there's one other issue they put in this amendment that's just despicable. Um, they say that signatures have to be gathered from all 88 counties. Currently, right. it's 44 counties. Right. They want to make it 88 counties. And if one single county failed to collect the, the, the sufficient number of signatures, the other 87 counties would, would not have a chance to have their voices heard. So, so one county can interfere with the process. It is it it is such a well look a calculated um, a, attempt to deprive people of a right that we've had in Ohio for more than a hundred years. The attempt here is to make it harder to get this on the ballot, and then make it harder to pass on the off chance it does get on the ballot. And again, <laughs> if if you think about it, what it does is it turns majority rule into minority rule. The forty percent essentially then dictates in the case of constitutional amendments. Now, Governor, I, we, we dance around this a little bit. Let's be brutally honest. Part of this has to do with the part of the concern that a Republican leadership brought this forward to is because there is another constitutional amendment coming up uh, later this fall on abortion. That's, that's right. Um, and, and But it's not only abortion, Howard. I mean, abortion will be on the ballot this November. Um, saying that Ohio women have the right to make decisions about their own uh, bodies and their choices regarding um, ending a pregnancy. So uh, that's true. But but, uh, 
There are other issues that are likely to be on the ballot going forward. For example, the redistricting issue um, uh, mandating that uh, our our districts, our legislative and congressional districts, be drawn in a fair um, uh, way rather than just being uh, gerrymandered in a way that protects incumbents from ever being challenged. Um, by uh, an opponent that has a chance of winning. So uh, uh, a a mandate, by the way, Governor, that the Republican leadership has chosen to ignore. Absolutely. (laughs) They've chosen to ignore the court decision in Ohio. Um, And so, uh, you know, in my judgment, they're just an out-of-control cabal in Columbus, Ohio, that are, uh, are catering to a very... A limited percentage of the people and, and ignoring what most Ohioans want. Uh, most Ohioans want a woman to have access to an abortion when she needs it or, 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 or chooses it. Uh, all the polling has shown that about uh, on, almost 60 percent of, of the people in Ohio believe a woman should have the right to make that choice and it should not be imposed upon her by politicians. Um, and, and, and so um, the, the, you know, the effort is to change the rules and make it almost impossible for Ohioans to make that choice um, this November when that, abortion will be on the ballot. That particular issue is clearly a motivation for having put this issue today on the ballot, and that's to make it harder for the abortion uh, amendment to pass. Uh, but I, I have purposely not spent a lot of time talking about the abortion uh, amendment because while that is what motivated this, this issue is, as you said, it's really a bigger issue. It really goes to who, who do the citizens have the power or they not? Does the majority rule or does it not? That's, this is a much bigger issue than just the one amendment coming up in November. It's a, it's a much broader issue. But that abortion issue is the one that did motivate the Republicans to put this forward? At, at this time, you're, you're absolutely correct. Um, and, and the abortion issue is an important issue. It will be decided this November. Um, and I think it should be decided with a, you know, with a, a 50 plus one decision rather than a, a, a 40 percent decision. It should be decided uh, democratically, and that means 50 plus one. Absolutely. I mean, these folks are afraid of the people, um, these these uh, politicians in Columbus, Ohio. They're afraid of the will of the people. So they want to obstruct the ability of the people of our state from having their views um, known and, and, and shaped into law. And so, um, I mean, Howard, you say it better than I do. It, it is an undemocratic effort to... Uh, to give uh, minority rule um, uh, in, in Ohio. and um, But, you know, people are coming out and voting, and I'm going to be going to the polls and voting here in just a, a, an hour or so. Um, but people are coming out and voting in, in numbers that were not expected. Large numbers yes. of people are coming out. People have been standing in line for long periods of time in order to vote. And so... I think they miscalculated. Early turnout was very heavy as well, as you pointed out earlier. Governor, what we probably should do here before I let you go is, just in case people are confused, if you vote yes for issue one, you are voting to change the threshold up to 60%. If you vote no, you are voting to keep the Constitution as it is, correct? You're absolutely right. And um, so we are urging people to vote no, and that will um, that will maintain majority rule in Ohio. Exactly. Um, a yes vote will give the minority the ability to make the decisions, right. uh, rather than um, the majority opinion being heard and honored. So in, in my words, no is a vote for true democracy. That's the way I look at it. Governor, I have to let you go, but I have to ask you one last question. Do you ever miss it? I do. Um, you know, I, I, miss, I miss the people. Uh, I, I was over in that part of Ohio a few days ago, 
uh, drove up along the Ohio River, Steubenville and and uh, and Brilliant and Stratford and you know and and I was able to touch base with some of my old friends and and it was uh, it, it was a wonderful day. I had a great time, and I, I do miss the people. And um, and uh, um, but you know, uh, life goes on, uh, times change, uh, new leaders emerge, and um, and, and I just want to help. You know the good guys going forward, many of them much younger than I am now, who uh, you know who I think are you know good decent people who have the right values and appreciate um, the democracy that we have and are working to hold on to it. Governor, I appreciate your time with us this morning. Thanks very much for joining me. It was fairly short notice when I asked you to come on, but I wanted to make sure people had a chance to hear what you had to say. So thanks very much. Uh, it's good talking to you whenever you. Whenever you want to pop your head up and talk about something else, you know, just give me a call. We're always here. Listen, Howard, I, I'm impressed at your at your knowledge and insight into this issue. I really am. And um, you, you have a way of saying it th that is easily understood. So um, I really appreciate that. Thank you so very much, and I hope you and all of your listeners have a great day. All right. Thank you, Governor. I appreciate it. Former Governor of Ohio, Ted Strickland, with us this morning here on the Watchdog Morning Show. Um, every once in a while, there's an issue that he just, he pops his head up. I noticed when I said that phrase, he laughed for the first time. He pops his head up and, you know, says, wait a minute, I got to say a few things here. And so he did and he does. Um, and I thank him for joining me. I, I reached out to him late last night. Um, I wasn't sure if he was going to be able to join me or not, but I'm glad he did. All right, uh, just about 9 o'clock here on the Watchdog Morning Show. My friend Matt Robus and I are going to talk about Donald Trump a little bit and going to talk about actually somewhat connected to what the governor and I were talking about, how things have changed and our institutions are falling apart and people are challenging authority in ways they never did and not in a good way. All that's coming up in the next hour of the Watchdog Morning Show. Did you write the book of love and do you have FM 98.1, AM 1600, WKKX Wheeling. FM 97.7, AM 1370, WVLY Moundsville. ABC News.